welcome to the Child of the Library podcast. I hope that you're all doing well and that you all enjoyed my little surprise mini episode last Sunday, where I talk about a poetry documentary by one of my favorite YouTubers. Back then, I thought that that topic would be so unrelated to what I want to talk about this week. And to be honest, it kind of still is, but I think that there is some link between the two, but I will get to that later. So what are we going to talk about today? I want to dive a little deeper into the many ways of how to organize your bookshelf. I have to admit, ever since my fiancé and I moved into our first apartment, my bookshelf has become an important part within my living room aesthetic-wise. I always take care that it is presentable and that its content reflects me very well. After all, a bookshelf tells a lot about its owner. And I always sneak peeks at other people's bookshelves whenever I'm visiting them, so I need to be prepared for that as well. Now, a lot of people who know me well and know how much I love reading might be a little irritated that my bookshelf is actually not that big. <laughs> Back when we moved together, we originally had another couch for the living room in mind, and that would have allowed for a wider bookshelf. But then we found this gorgeous big couch that just screamed that it belonged in our apartment for chill days at home. But that also meant that I had to live with a slightly smaller space for my books. But don't fret, I have started to annex a few of the shelves within our glass cabinet, so I'm gaining ground again. And of course, this new ground needs to be organized as well. So, how do I organize my shelves exactly? I think the organization of my shelves reflects pretty well on how I have progressed as a reader. When I was still living at my parents' home and when I was in boarding school during my last three high school years, I don't know, have I mentioned that on this podcast yet? Maybe I can get into that in an upcoming episode, but for the sake of context, I think the most important detail is that I went to a boarding school for a time and we had pre-furnished rooms that had several shelves to store things, like books. Anyway, so back then I did fill my shelves with books, but they were not very organized, just like I was as a reader who was always on the brink of falling out of love with reading because of my slightly weird required high school reads. I usually kept a series together and probably a loose organization by language, but there was nothing special to see there, to be honest. When I moved out, however, and had my own place, that drastically changed. I remember I was so excited on that first day when we had all our boxes in the apartment and we went on to unpacking them without any of our helping hands for the move being there. My bookshelf was literally the first thing I filled and I was so happy. So the first organization style I went with for my main bookshelf was by color. This had stayed with me for three years. I usually started with my black books, would work my way all through the rainbow and then end on white. That looked really nice and I topped that off with a lot of decorative elements. But last month I realized that while that color coordination is really aesthetically pleasing in a room, It did not do anything for me personally to aid me in my decision making for my next read. I would usually go to my Goodreads back then. I mean, you know from my previous episodes that Goodreads really is a place where I put all the books I want to read, whether I have them already or not. So this would end up in me buying new physical audio or ebooks, but not getting to all the ones I already own. And I really wanted to change that. 
So, one January morning before work, I felt like I could not wait any longer and had the need to reorganize my bookshelves. I took all of them down so I could start with a clean slate and thought about how I want to organize them. And what I'm working with now is first by genre, second by series, and third, if most of them are standalone, then loosely by color. So for example, I have several small young adult and adult fantasy shelves and within those I organize by series. But if I have, for example, my translated Asian fiction section, then in there I will loosely organize it by color because most of them are not part of a series. This has worked very well for me in the past weeks and has really encouraged me to pick up more of my physical copies, which is great. Plus, I took all my decorations down so that the focus is not on them, but on the books, which I think adds a more mature feeling to my shelves. If we move out to a hopefully bigger place and I've got more space for my books, to be honest, quite a few books are in storage in our cellar right now, I'm not sure on how I would approach organizing them. Probably depends on where in the new place the shelves would be located and what else is around it. But hey, maybe I will do an update of this episode then and let's see where we end up. But of course, with my opinion just being n equals 1 and that not really being a valuable amount of opinions, I asked around in my family and friend circle on how they approach their bookshelf organization. And I got quite a few very interesting ideas from them. Generally, what I saw was that an organization by genre seems to be the most popular. And within these genres, it is either going down by topic, for example, books about dogs or crafts usually stick together, or by color. Funnily enough, no one seems to organize by author per se. It just doesn't seem to be too popular among the people I know. One said that they do it by year of publication, which I find truly fascinating because I know that I would be totally lost with that. I would be so at sea because I could not be able to find any of my books again. Some also say that special series have got their own shelves, which I can totally vibe with. If you have an all-time favorite series and you've got the space and the passion for it, then give it its own shelf, use it as a shrine, go for it. Miriam, who I mentioned on the podcast before, organizes her books strictly by language as an overall theme, which I find actually pretty cool. I knew about that even before I conducted my little survey here, because I bought her an adaption of a very popular book in Latin, and she said that now she has to open up a new section in her shelf for Latin books, and I had no idea what I was setting in motion with my gift. Another person I know has a very, very special approach to her bookshelves because she just displays books by the publishing house Diogenes. To everyone who might not be living in Germany and does not know them, all their books have a very similar minimal design. They are always a white beige color with a black font on the spine, so the books look almost identical when they are next to each other on the shelves. And on the front it is always white beige as well, with just a square where the picture individual to each book is located. She just loves that because she never has to worry about her books looking not good together and she can live her minimalist aesthetic, which I think is a really smart approach if you're into that. To be honest, 
I don't know why I have not switched to the genre organization earlier, because from the beginning on we had a separate manga shelf that is not color coordinated, but series coordinated. So I don't know why it never occurred to me earlier. But oh well, we all need to switch up our interior from time to time, especially if we spend so much time at home like we are now. To finish off this topic, I wanted to give you a short overview of what categories I have on my shelves now. I've got one big shelf that is all illustrated editions, graphic novels and poetry. And yes, this is where I would bridge into my last episode like I said before. Then I have a few smaller shelves of young adult and adult fantasy and science fiction. One shelf of translated Asian fiction. One small shelf of miscellaneous genres like crime and non-fiction, one manga shelf, and then a separate book basket which is full of my high priority reads for the upcoming weeks. And that is the setup that I'm very happy with at the moment. As I rearranged my shelves, that one day in January I put some books away in storage, some went to my local take-a-book-leave-a-book container and I realized that I have space for more books, which was perfect because in sync with my 2021 reading goals, I had planned to get a few fresh additions to my shelves. I know a book haul might feel a bit weird at first when you just have got audio and no visual supporting it, but to be honest I find it quite nice because it allows you to not get distracted or irritated by the cover because there are so many great books with, pardon me, shitty covers out there, <laughs> let me tell you. But for all of you who would like to take a look at the cover or how a title is spelled, I always put the book and media mentioned in my episodes on Instagram in my podcast highlight for you to reference. First of all, I got some classics that I wanted to read for so long. These are the Penguin Classic Deluxe Editions of Jane Eyre, The Great Gatsby, Dracula and Frankenstein, which I really, really liked when I read it back in middle school. What I love about classics is that they are mostly available for free by now if you want to read them, but if you want to have a nice edition for yourself or as a gift, I can also highly recommend these ones as gifts, then I would go with these editions because they are such high quality and feel so nice. Penguin came out with a bunch of them and to be honest, I have to resist to buy them all, but maybe one day, who knows. These are the ones I wanted the most for now. Then I did a lot to fill up my new Asian translated fiction section with the Japanese grandmaster Haruki Murakami with titles like Hear the Wind Sing, Pinball 1973, Men Without Women, Underground, The Tokyo Gas Attack, After Dark and South of the Border, West of the Sun. This is really interesting for me because when we were discussing Norwegian Wood by him in our book club, we realized that Japan is a country that a lot of people here in Germany long to go to because it is so beautiful and the food is so good, etc. But there's actually a lot about this society that I do not know yet. And I feel that through his books and also other non-fiction media that I can consume, my understanding of that will grow more and more. 
And I also got Pachinko by Min Jin Lee, which follows a Korean family who by various circumstances needs to move to Japan and how to adapt to this new environment by still staying true to yourself and your culture. I heard such great things about this and I find this topic very interesting. So very, very excited for that. Then I also got some miscellaneous books, mostly to complete my series, because I had a few final books still missing on my shelves. Plus I got The Complete Mouse, which is a very, very well-known graphic novel collection that dives into the topics of World War II, where the Jewish population is depicted by mice and the Nazi forces by cats. I thought this was a very bold move to make this topic a bit more accessible to a young adult audience through this depiction of the characters. Unlike a lot other graphic novels, there is no color, so you just have a black and white style that is very fitting for the atmosphere. And I think that this is a very important read for younger generations especially, so that these dark times are not forgotten. This was my surprise mini book haul for you. If you are looking to diversify your shelves like I have done with my Asian translated fiction section and you want to find out more about, I don't know, authors of color and their works, for example, I highly recommend the website Shake Up Your Shelves, which is an initiative by the publishing house HarperCollins. I'm pretty sure that a lot of countries have got something like this in place, but since I mostly read English books, this was very helpful for me personally. Because this website and initiative provides librarians and teachers with what new books are being published that might be relevant for kids growing up or adults growing intellectually and how maybe some old books on the curriculum could be switched for something that is more relevant to the new generation, which I find very cool and very important. Now we have reached section two in my podcast episode, which is called Meet the Character, as you know. Thanks so much for sticking around. I hope you had fun exploring my bookshelf with me and hear about what new books I got. By the way, here in Germany, we have a law that German physical books are bound to a certain price on all platforms. So you usually cannot get them for cheap here unless they are B-graded or secondhand. But that is not the case for English books. So usually these are very affordable here in Germany. So please don't be irritated by the books I buy. Fortunately, my reading taste plays into me saving a bit of money here and there. But anyway, let's move on to the character that I want to talk about today. Last year, I read a Korean translated fiction novel called Almond by Won Pyong Son. Sorry, I probably totally butchered her name, I'm really sorry. <laughs> But I really, really loved the book. So naturally, one of the characters is one I want to talk about in this podcast section. The main character, Yunje, is born with alexithemia, which basically means that some part in his brain is slightly underdeveloped, so it's hard for him to feel and express emotions. So from the start, he has it hard in life, with all sorts of social interactions, especially in a country and culture like Korea, where so much depends on you reacting correctly in certain social situations. You follow him struggling through this and you see the relationship to his family through his eyes where he cannot really express love like other kids do, but you see how he is grateful in his own way for how they support him and try to teach him how to react appropriately. 
You also experience friendship through his eyes and connections between people and overall he's a very interesting character to read from. And you really do root for him until the end because you want some happiness in his life for all the hardships that were thrown his way earlier. So Almond is definitely a very recommendable read, especially because of him as a character. Welcome to the last section of today's episode, woohoo! Now let me check the list of submitted questions, which one sounds fun to answer today. Okay... <laughs> How do you organize your bookshelf? I think I talked about that in length already today. So scrolling down a bit more... Oh, here's one that sort of belongs to this bookshelf rearranging topic. The covers of your book series do not match. Does it bother you? Yeah, <laughs> I know this is such a first world problem. But yes, I am actually annoyed by that. This is one of the reasons why I enjoy binging series, because usually by then they have agreed on a cover style and you can choose what versions of covers you like most and you don't run into that problem that much. Apart from you being able to consume the whole story fully, of course, which is the main reason. But it sometimes happens that publishers change the cover of format of the book halfway through the series and I'm not okay with that. I'm proud to say that because I usually buy my series together, I can get them all in somewhat matching form, but one of the most classic examples of this changing cover situation on a shelf is the Diviner series by Libba Bray. It is a very cool series, set in the 1920s New York, where we also encounter some supernatural elements, but this series had one of the saddest cover stories ever. When it first came out, it got a hardcover that a lot of people really liked, then for the second book they switched the hardcover and the font and everything was totally not fitting the vibes of the book anymore. Because the first sort of got the supernatural element across, then for the third book they switched to paperback and changed the cover style completely to mostly black with neon accents, which I personally quite like. And they adapted the first two books of the series in the same style, which is fine by me. But because they also changed the publisher for book three, the first two new covers are a bit taller than the one for the third. So now they all match in terms of style, but not in height when they stand next to each other. It's such a sad story. I recently talked about this in my book club because I was waiting for the fourth book in the mail and I was a bit anxious that this one would be even another height, but it turned out to be the same height as the third. So at least there is somewhat of a match there, but still, you know, Still, I don't know why they couldn't match them in height as well as design. So yes, this was a wrap up of my bookshelf organization, a little book haul, an interesting, probably not so widely known main character and me ranting about mismatching book covers. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode and we will hear from each other very soon. I hope that until then we discover the words on our shelves and in our hearts. Bye! Thank you.